It's a warm summer night in St. Louis. You and your family are hustling through Forest Park. Well, you're hustling. The kids are meandering with melted frozen lemonades. You pat yourself down to locate car keys and glance around for landmarks. Weird-looking oak tree? Check. You're still humming a tune from the show as you get everyone settled and merge into the sea of taillights, but a question rises to the top of your mind. How does the Muni find all of those crazy, talented people? Welcome to Classic 107.3's Attuned, the podcast that amplifies your knowledge of the artistic and cultural community in St. Louis, Missouri. I'm Julie Schuster. This is Series 1, Episode 9 of Cast Me at the Muni, an exploration of the audition process. The Muni is the United States' oldest and largest outdoor musical theater, and it's located in Forest Park in St. Louis. In this concluding conversation, I sit down with Mike Isaacson, artistic director and executive producer of the Muni, and Michael Baxter, artistic associate of the Muni. We talk about the casting for what would have been the 2020 season and what happens going forward into next year. We discuss their unique roles in the Muni audition process and how auditions could potentially change due to the pandemic. First of all, a big congratulations on your online season this summer. I was telling Michael earlier that even though we couldn't have that regular Muni season that we all love, I thought it came closer to that Muni magic than I expected it could. (laughs) Well, thank you. I think we were just as surprised, to be honest. I mean, it was a huge leap into into the unknown of what we could do, what it could be, what was the right format, how do we work with the artists in this context. And, yeah, we really didn't know. So the uh, impact and the results were really, really satisfying and surprising. Yeah, 189,000 attendees, 22 (laughs) countries, really amazing. And something that really surprised us all was it started out as who's home and what could we make with them during this time? How do we involve, engage them? But it became something much more special as we were highlighting this homegrown St. Louis talent. Just as if that online season were a regular Muni season, it's done and the Muni staff is thinking about next season. So you're in this unique situation, though, now that you, you know those shows and you had them, is it fair to say, substantially cast already? Yes. Yeah. So how does that affect the process for next year? Well, we're trying to initially figure that out. I mean, when we postponed the season, we called every artist backstage, on stage who had expected to come and said, if you're available next year, the part is still yours. So... In essence, as we talk, we are essentially cast. Now, what will happen is that, or what I think will happen is if we're, you know, the whole theater industry as a whole, uh, once it starts up, is going to go into massive controlled chaos, but it will be chaos. So people who may have been available for that slot for us that summer may have another gig or something may come up or there'll be all kinds of changes. So, you know, we're going to have to start checking in with everybody really, I don't know, what do you think, back probably in January and say, you know, when we all know where we are and and what the schedule will be and are you still available and do you still want to come? Yeah, it's going to be January because the world and the industry is just going to need a clearer sense of what we can and cannot do. And in the best case scenario, we'll be able to do what we were supposed to do this summer. Yeah. Do you think 
the extra time that the creative teams will have had to sort of think about their shows and mull over the possibilities will make a, a tangible difference? I don't know. I mean, I think, circling back to the variety show, I think once we hit June for the creative community and people working, the ability to create became very hard. You know, artists kind of need a deadline, particularly in the muni world, and you need a goal. And when that goes away, it sort of just all rests in the subconscious and dreaming, but people don't tend to be, you know, those are a lot of conversations I'm having with people. It's very hard to get a forward momentum. Most of our creative teams really had a very strong sense. So, you know, are they rethinking and relooking it? No, uh, possibly, but it wasn't anything that you could really ask of anybody because of just what everybody's been going through. And I think that was one of the powers of the variety show. They saw us as people, as an institution, in this environment, just coming up with something creative, showing that act, showing that desire, showing that will. And that had great meaning to people, particularly in the Muni Broadway theatrical community. It really, it, it offered something. And that, again, was another beautiful surprise. And part of what Mike is mentioning is people loved watching the attempt. They loved watching the drive, the adrenaline, the energy that went into making something. Five weeks ago, there was nothing. And then five, six weeks ago now, there was five episodes of the Muni Summer Variety Hour. And I think that daring attempt to put all of that together and to ask people what they wanted to do and to do it well and to do it that way with that adrenaline and that focus was really something. When you reached out to people to participate in those programs, were they just so hungry for work, so excited to support the Muni? What were their reactions? See all of the above. I mean, what was interesting was the first artists of the first two shows, because once we committed to go, we had a production schedule where we had to just really begin creating and meet deadlines and, and get things in order. So those artists in basically the first two shows really had to trust our vision and what we were doing and what we were creating and what this was going to look like. Everyone after that, after they'd seen the first show, was very much like, oh, I get it. I know how to create for this. I understand what you're doing. This is now really clearer and more powerful. So it sort of became easier, but... You know, as I said on that final show, everyone we called said yes. Everyone. Yeah. More generally, back to auditions, were you pleased with the way the casting process went for 2020? In my opinion, it could not have gone better. <laughs> like Mike shared earlier, we were practically cast by March 13th when everything started to tumble. We were in probably the best shape we had been in a few years. We had everything lined up and things ready to go, and it was shaping quite nicely, and we were very proud of the visions of the cast, the people who were going to portray the characters. We had all the kids and teens lined up, even our supernumeraries, our extras in certain shows. We had essentially almost 427 roles. That includes all of our kid and teens and supernumeraries almost filled. Wow. And uh, we had to make lots of phone calls to let them know what the next steps were going to be. Sure. The talent level was really exciting. And also, you're always looking for sort of a, a mix of, you know, muni family members, new talent that you're introducing to the audience, 
it, it was just all over map. It was really, really an exciting group. And plus we had a couple parts that are sort of iconic. And by that, what it means is the audience sort of knows the characters. So they bring something to it, which are always the hardest parts to cast in a way. You have Roxy Hart, you had Mary Poppins, you had Sweeney Todd. You sort of had these mythic, iconic characters. And, you know, those take an extra depth of conversation with everybody, the directors, choreographers, because you really build the show around them. Roxy and Velma really in Chicago and, and, you know, some very exciting people were coming. So hopefully they'll be back next year. Yeah, we'll keep our fingers crossed. When I've been talking to the other actors during the course of this podcast, Michael Baxter's name came up a lot in terms of his experience performing and auditioning and that having him run these auditions and be present with that sort of shared history as a performer adds this layer of reassurance to the process. And (laughs) Mike, I found this quote online from you when you described yourself as the worst Pippin in the history of American musical theater. Yes, it's true. I think I have a plaque somewhere that says that. (laughs) (laughs) So when you're at the auditions, you know, you're someone who has less experience on stage, but these Tony-winning instincts for creating and producing, what does your presence mean during the Muni auditions? You know, in my mind, it's a couple things. If the joke I make often, but it's really kind of what I believe, if I've done my job right, in a sense, no one should need me. In other words, they have the information, the resources, everything they need to sort of pull off this mammoth moment. What I tend to do is I'm there and I can sort of take a broader view and I've got my eye on all the directors and choreographers and also Everything's going in different rooms and there's different buildings. And my job is to always be 10 yards ahead of everybody and go, oh, this room has moved faster. We could get that room moved in because everyone else is focused on a particular objective. And I can call Tracy and say, hey, I think we're, we're ahead of the game here or behind. There's a whole sort of tracking that's going on. But then also prior to that, we've all had conversations about what principal parts we may be looking for coming out of that audition. So I'm sort of scoping everybody in the room, looking, seeing is there somebody who seems particularly, oh, let's read that person or, you know, making mental notes. And I'm just sort of connecting different things that are going on in different levels and then just making sure, do the directors and choreographers feel like they're seeing the talent level that they want? Are they inspired? Where are they going? And and then we have a moment where after we've seen a room of 50, we have to make a cut, right? You're, several of your interviewers have talked about that. Mm-hmm. And I'm actually the one who holds up the cards and looks at everybody's faces mm-hmm. and sort of says, you, 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 you know, we're sort of doing it quickly, but I can get a sense of temperature. And you see those talents that everybody's excited about. I will also make certain calls if somebody comes up and they've been a part of our Muni family and it's not a resounding yes. If we're like, well, maybe I'll say, okay, they're going through. We're going to give them another shot. They were great for us last year. Let's keep them. Let's have them sing. Let's see where the whole thing ends up. So day one, it's like pottery. There's all these hands on it and you're trying to shape something that comes out of it to that night when we make the cut for day two. So I'm constantly taking the temperature, looking at it. Are we getting what we want? And occasionally, for whatever reason, if the show's particular needs, 
aren't in that room or director or choreographer isn't seeing what they got, you know, you immediately begin the conversation. Don't worry. We can do a call in New York or we've got a couple of friends. We know who can tap dance, who can do this. Don't panic. You're going to have your show. You're going to have a great show, you know, because it's a confidence game and you want them to know that they're getting amazing talent to create an amazing show. And that room and that process is a big part of it. I do just want to mention, you know, Mike has this fantastic magic where he can see talent beyond the audition. Whether it's somebody dancing, somebody singing, somebody reading a side, even somebody walking down the hallway. (laughs) There's just this instinct that is beyond what is actually happening in the room, like what is happening in action. There's something deeper. And there's that question, like, Mike will be standing right there over your shoulder saying, we need to see them for the part of Liesl. We need to see them for the part of Roxy. And just have them read because there's something magical about their release and their presence and their art in the room. And he just has that eye. Another thing that I've heard from the conversations that I've had is that the care that the Muni takes during the audition process and from the moment someone first walks in that door for the audition all the way through should they be cast through the close of their show or shows. And to me, as an outsider, that caring seems like it would be a a major part of the Muni's success overall. Do you have thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it comes from a perspective. You have to begin by knowing, which we do, that anyone who chooses a life in the performing arts in this country, to me, it's a vocation. It's the way I see it. It's a hard life. It's a challenging life. It can be a wonderful life, but it is challenging. We don't have the resources for our performing artists the way other countries do. So in terms of the Muni working with people, you've got to make sure it's just the right thing to do that they know we care about their work. We care about them. We respect them. We value them, and we want to give them everything they can to truly be the best they are at what they do. So how do we do that? They're not treated well. I mean, I actually came to learn this. I didn't quite really understand it, but there's there's other places where they're just not treated well or given that level of respect. So it is very important to us, and there's a lot of people involved in that. Sue Greenberg, our company manager, is just unbelievable on a personal level reaching out to everybody with all their logistics and accommodations and everything everybody needs we're asking a lot of them that's the way i believe we're asking them for world-class work in an extremely limited time an accelerated tempo so if we're going to ask that of them they need to see one that we're all meeting that and supporting them in that and that we believe in them doing that You know, so it all comes together. And I believe an audience feels that on stage. You know, the amazing thing about theater as a whole, but particularly with the Muni, when you see a show at the height of its moments or its powers, right, whatever that is, you as an audience member, you're always interested in the mystery of backstage, right? Mm -hmm. And you kind of look at it and go, well, somebody's getting along with somebody to pull this off. It literally is a tangible reality of experiencing a show, the endeavor and the scope of it and the sense of so many connections that you know have had to take place for this to happen is its own power. And it's its own power of great beauty and value and and it's particularly powerful at the Muni. So we have to 
be responsive to that. The other thing is, for me, it's very important. It begins in the auditions, and Michael's a genius at it. Fear is pointless, and let's get it out of the room. It just gets in the way. You are who you are. Let's go for it, and we'll see what happens. And that begins first day of rehearsal. We're all going to link arms, and we're going to run towards the cliff, and guess what? We're going to fly. So just trust that somebody's got your back, and you do what you know you can do, and you're going to do it for 10,000 people, and they're going to go on their minds. And if you put fear into that, it would just destroy everything, which, going back to the variety show, that's another thing the audience picked up. We were fearless. Mm-hmm. We've never done this before. We don't know how to do this. Here we go. It was very muni. Mm-hmm. It was very sort of this ethic and personality and spirit that we all have. And that's why a lot of people said it felt like being at the Muni. And I think the artists are very appreciative for that because they don't get that everywhere. I do want to acknowledge all the beautiful words that Mike said and acknowledge the team of people that create the positive environment at the auditions. Our production manager, Tracy Utzmeyer's assistant production manager, James Prifty. Our company manager, Sue Greenberg. Jane Shell, who is working with operations at all of our outside facilities to make it possible. Registration. Our entire team of accompanists. Our entire creative teams. Even the interns that spend their day running to grab water and lunches and snacks and cards from room to room. And then at the end of the night, actually get scrub brushes out and scrub the floor. I have to acknowledge that it just takes hundreds of people to make that all happen. So even though they're not all with us in this conversation today, they make that purpose and love of that weekend possible. What's your favorite part about auditions? There have been moments that you see that we have found someone who didn't know how good they were Mm -hmm. and with the right coaching in the room and the right gentle push and suddenly we've discovered them they've discovered us and they end up on our stage doing great great work there's all kinds of anecdotes of that and you know there's a couple for me a couple memories of some auditioners who have come one or two years in a row not gotten a part And then they come a third year or fourth year and they get like two or three shows. That's happened a couple of times too. And you see their growth, even though I haven't seen them in a year, you'll watch them in a room and you'll go, this person has really been working. Their technique is better. They're better singers, particularly the college kids because they're learning. Mm -hmm. But you see that work. So it's so glorious when we can reward that. I absolutely agree. And the idea of it really is you watch that usually for our big general auditions, it ends up being the student performer, right? They're coming from the elite training programs throughout the country. And you're watching this college student who's not even 21 years of age yet leave and release their body. They brought their art and their joy and they become a professional in that room. It's absolutely profound watching that happen in a young person, and that's exactly the special talent that you're sort of saying, wow, imagine what they could be on the Muni stage. Imagine where they could be in a year or so. And it's really great to see that happen in a studio, let alone on the Muni stage. So any final thoughts about auditions for next year? I know it's so early, it's all really speculative at this point, but... I think the only thing 
or one of the things coming out of this moment for everybody is, as we've all been in isolation, the Zoom world and the technology and the ability to connect in that. And, you know, for years we've done video auditions and some people love them and some people hate them and it's a sort of a fine art, but it feels to me now everybody sort of knows, like, they're really comfortable with that and and you have to be and it's a new tool and, you know, artists have to be able to figure out how to present themselves best as they can through this medium. And it's it just feels like it's firmer. We're going to come out of this with that as a much more solid, important, regular tool in terms of the auditioning process. Not the only tool, but definitely a tool. Do you see that taking more of a role next year, perhaps? Again, that's hard to say, but if you if you just have to replace one principal part in a show, it's either do a call in New York, can we travel to New York, what is, what's the situation going to be when we need to make the decision? Mm-hmm. Do people want to actually physically come in for auditions will be a question. There's just so much information we don't have, but if I'm an actor and I want to be seen for this part of the Muni, I should be able to say, you know what, I don't feel comfortable coming in the room, can I give you a tape or whatever we're calling it? And, uh, you know, we're going to have to be able to accommodate that. Okay, I've asked others for three words to describe the Muni. What are yours? You go first, Bax. (laughs) Well, the first one is purposeful, transcendent. And, you know, I, I, I say this, it's love. It's family. So family. I'm going to go with mystery, epic, evolving. That sort of encompasses your roles right there, Mike, with the big picture, the moving forward, the where are we going, and Michael with this is who we are, this sense of love and support. Perfect. Well, thank you for all that you've done to make this podcast happen. Thank you for letting me have access to some of your favorite people and, and for taking the time out of your day today. I, I really appreciate it. And So and wait, I'm not going to do my medley from Pippin? I, I had it all. <laughs> Go for it. <laughs> Everything has its season, right? Everything has its time. Yeah. Let's hear it. Yeah, actually, go Everybody, online this is an audition. trying to sing Corner of the Sky <laughs> and how ridiculously high that stupid song is. <laughs> Thanks for listening to Classic 107.3's Attuned. There's more great content on our website, classic1073.org slash podcasts. There you'll find all of the available episodes, plus show notes, pictures, links, and more.